0: I'd like to welcome Atul Sharma, who is the Managing Director of 2 in India and also President PRCAI, the apex body for PR associations and uh, PR firms in India, and to this brand new podcast where we're trying to get the top PR leadership to tell us how are they handling the challenges uh, of their life at work and uh, never has leadership been under so much pressure and challenges as it has been since 2020 March. So uh, with that, my first question uh, to you, Atul, is that uh, how's it been? A simple question. How are you?
1: Um, Thank you, Parul, for inviting me for this podcast. And it's, um, well, I think I can safely say that it's been a tough, tough time that we have all uh, gone through. Uh, But I think, uh, you know, we're doing fine. Uh, You know, we've uh, gotten accustomed to the fact that there is this is the way things are going to be and I think as teams as people as um, you know as families we have found a way to deal with this pandemic and uh, I, I think from purely from a personal point of view I think um, I think I'm feeling good about the future I feel that this third surge that we see and I'm very hopeful and uh, I'm a very optimistic person by nature so I'm very hopeful that this will be possibly the end of the pandemic and maybe the start of the endemic but we can live with that i i just think so that should be the future uh, how it would look like
0: i feel optimistic it may be the endemic, uh, endemic in uh, coming up so i think that's a great way to start this show so just like an eye on if you were if i had to look at your calendar what is your daily calendar like and what are your major uh, i wouldn't say stress points but your challenging points during the day i think our audience would like to know that
1: Sure. So I think, um, um, you know, um, I'm pretty regulated and a very uh, and a person who's driven by routine. So I usually start my day pretty early in, in the morning. So it's usually around 5, 5.30. Um, considering we are in the business of uh, news, um, you know, we need to make sure that we stay on top of it. So there's a lot of uh, consumption of information early in the morning. So there are some preferred news sites that I have. There's Twitter, there's LinkedIn, there Insta feeds. There is uh, there are a few interesting newsletters that I go through, and obviously uh, news aggregators uh, to see what's happening around us, what's happening on our clients, what's happening in industry, and that's how I th- that's how I I start my day. And since I've dealt with so much information uh, uh, right up front in the morning, I try to do uh, you know I try to then just go easy with uh, the next one to 2 hours which is essentially you know me time as they call it so it's usually uh, running gymming yoga meditation it's it's just time on your own which helps me just clear up my head uh, you know some give a, give it slight priority in the scheme of things as to what what should i be looking at how my day will pan out so i i usually like to arrange my day in in not only in tasks but more in thoughts uh, during that time and yeah I am usually back in home by around 8 and uh, I have two hyper energetic kids so I spend uh, early mornings with them uh, I have a hyper energetic golden retriever also so there's a lot of I would say a lot of banter which happens with, uh, with that and uh, you know usually sometimes when we have time uh, my wife and I we have a We have a nice cup of tea, but that's usually the start uh, to the day. And I think, you know, um, one thing which I realized, I think somewhere in the middle of my career is that we often tend to focus a lot of our energy on urgent tasks. You know, what's here, what's right now. And we tend to drown ourselves in that. And I feel that, you know, if we can prioritize our important tasks and get to do them first, Uh, you know, it will always give you good progress in the long run. So I've seen as a leader, uh, you know, and that's my way of segregating important versus urgent. So anything which I feel is going to help my firm progress, which is going to help my people, which is going to help my client, those tasks come right up front and they become the important ones. And there are some urgent ones which possibly either I can do or I can delegate. Uh, But like I said, you know, we all have our fair share of, uh, you know, fires that we need to douse. So I have my own urgent tasks, but those in my scheme of things come slightly lower in the priority. So I think if you ask me, I don't feel challenged. I don't feel that I'm getting stressed with things because I think this prioritization, which I learned a little early in my career has really, really helped me in, in prioritizing my day, month, year. And, uh, and, putting yourself to targets, to goals, which are, which then don't look that, uh, you know, that, that difficult to achieve because you just have your priorities aligned in the right place in the right time.
0: I, I love what you said that I organize it by thoughts and not tasks. I think I'd just like to ask a little bit more. And of course, another filter you gave us is that important versus urgent. You, you're very clear about that distinction. Could you give us an example, uh, you know, especially the thought approach. I, it's very interesting.
1: So, you know, the thoughts is, um, you know, usually we often tend to think of a plan, which we want to let's let's assume, you know, it's a working situation, I need to submit a plan to a client. And usually, you know, the way we think it's about a task, which we need to accomplish, and we need to submit a plan to a client. Uh, I break it down and I talk, and I focus more on the fact that what can I work with my people What can they learn from it? How, you know, what are the learnings that each one of us can derive when we are working on this plan? How will our engagement, our interaction build our companionship, our camaraderie? So I think for me, the plan is not the task, which is the outcome, but it's more, you know, the way we'll engage, the way we'll come together. So every time I find out ways and means to work with, you know, an associate in my team, I try and you know surpass a few levels and work some you know with with a junior level directly because I think the kind of exposure that you can provide to a young uh, professional and you know the meaningful difference that you can bring to their life is unparalleled. And I think that's when I say thoughts because I think most of the times we often remember you know our and, and that's my philosophical way of looking things. Our life is made of. Good moments and bad moments. And when we tend to remember our lives, usually for me, the good moments will always be more than the bad moments. And I think that's what my focus is that every time we are engaging with people, we are engaging with clients, we give them more of those good moments. And, you know, that's when I say thoughts because those thoughts which are those good thoughts that those nice exhilarating thoughts when you did something meaningful when you when your clients really appreciated you or when your people really appreciated you i think those are the thoughts which hold us nice and dear to our hearts and uh, i think that's what build teams that's what build organizations that what you know that's that's what i think purpose driven organizations do and yeah i i, I hope i am able to explain what you know i'm I, i'm trying to put through
0: i think you explained it really well and, and i'm going to try and adopt this in my work also because uh, uh for journalists and for pr professionals well deadlines always loom large so there's always a deadline every few hours so it's True. a very good way of approaching it uh, one follow up question to the calendar approach uh, how much in advance do you uh, uh, do you plan uh, your calendar and do you devote a day of the week? Uh, there, there's a lot of advice on the internet that do, you know, plan so much in advance. What has worked for you?
1: So I think, and especially I think it's born out of the pandemic because, you know, usually when you were in office, uh, it was so simple to talk to people, you knew exactly what was happening to people right in front of you, you could gauge their reactions, you could see, you know, if you know, the thought that you're trying to push across, whether it's landing, it's not landing. And I think through the pandemic, we realized the, you know, the importance and the sanctity of time, because, you know, when you are at a distance, when you don't have that, you know, benefit of engaging with people face to face, uh, you realize that, you know, you have to leverage your time effectively so i think when i when you ask that how often and how early do i you know plan uh, my calendar i think more than planning it really early it's more about using that every minute in the calendar if if i can try and leverage every minute in the calendar to some good use and when i say you know to good use it sometimes you know just means that i'm going to block 20 minutes to catch up with an old friend or catch up with an old colleague or catch up with an existing colleague, because sometimes we just just don't need to work, talk work. We just need to, you know, connect as individuals, as people, as friends, as employees. And I think that helps a lot, but I think to answer your question more specifically, uh, the more complex the task, the earlier you start, because the, you know, if you can break those, that complex task into small, single, you know, projects, so small, simple projects, which you can actually delegate, which you can, uh, you know, which you can work with people. And then over a period of time, bring those, all those tasks together. And when they come back, the complexity doesn't look mm, that, uh, um, you know, that um, insurmountable. And I'll give you my own example as a manager, you know, I used to freeze every time I used to get a complex task to do. And uh, I realize that if you break it down, if you put it in your calendar over a period of time, break it down, make it simple, small steps and work along with that, I think it becomes much easier to accomplish. And uh, suddenly you realize that it's not that difficult as it looks. So yes, uh, the more complex the task, the more, the earlier you can start and uh, easier the task, the later you can start. But I would say in the middle of all the tasks, keep some time to, you know, just to make sure that you're connecting with people, you're connecting with clients and uh, you're talking to your partners as much as you can.
0: I think that's a great way of uh, explaining it. Uh, Coming to the all-important resilience uh, question, which is the entire purpose of this uh, podcast. I mean, it's become like almost, I almost get frightened when I hear the word resilient now. Oh God, now I have to be really resilient. And uh, does the word scare you or you feel it's, it's, you know, just a label and uh, is, uh, what is your way of uh, being resilient, so to speak?
1: So uh, I think of, for me, resilience is, I think it's just born out of your experiences. It's born out of your character and probably a lot of your upbringing. So in my case, I can safely say that, you know, uh, I was brought up in a small hill town and, uh, you know, everything everything drove resilience in us. So, you know, right from electricity to summers to uh, water, everything was rationed. Okay. So, you know, it was more like, you know, let's get, uh, everything was like, the nature was against you. And uh, even if I had to go to school every day and come back, I had to trudge like eight kilometers every day. So I think there was a lot of perseverance that got built in because you realize that nothing came easy whether it was just going to school as simple as that or you know even the the closest cricket ground where we used to go and play was 3 3 kilometers away from our house so we used to walk down play there and despite the fact that we were you know broken by the end of the day we used to trudge back home somehow so i think resilience comes in my view a lot from your experiences so oftentimes i feel that you know we tend to uh, shield uh, you know our young ones saying you know let's not Uh, put them in front of too much of uh, you know uh, difficult times but I feel that uh, as people once we go through them and especially as leaders uh, when we when we step into that space and we realize that you know our resilience is what is going to hold us what is going to hold our people what is going to hold their families I think it's a big responsibility and it's best that you you know you come prepared for those responsibilities and if your experiences in your life can shape you up for that, um, it's, I I would say it becomes a tad bit easier on you as well as on your people, because, uh, you know, your people want to see a leader who's in charge of things. And it's not going to be always easy. There are times when, you know, it's going to be pretty tough. But uh, as long as you can hold yourself together, even in tough times, even if the chips are down, I think it's fine in the sense your people will appreciate the fact that you know you were that leader who possibly didn't pass the pressure down when r- things got really really tough. So I think that's the way I look at it and uh, yeah I think we've over-glamorized the word I think so but um, I think it's something which every leader should have in abundance because this is what is definitely needed in the current times.
0: Uh, I totally agree with you. And as an army brat, I grew up shifting from, you know, camp to camp. And that, that made me and my brother extremely resilient because we were able to uh, respond to changing situations very, uh, very, very quickly. And I think I like what you said about not passing on the stress uh, to the team. And if you have, you know, the resilience you have to show, uh, not show, but yes, they have to be able to rely on you to be strong for them. Uh, so, uh, uh so is it possible to institutionalize uh, resolution? Because, uh, sorry, is it possible to institutionalize being resilient? Because it's such a, in a way, a nebulous term. So h- how do you build it? How, is there a way to build it across the organization?
1: Definitely, I think so. And I think, uh, you know, it needs, um, it needs definitely perseverance. Because, uh, you know, often as people, we we tend to, learn more from the bad behavior of our bosses than good behavior. Let me put it like that. So, uh, you know, I think, uh, if we can emulate, uh, you know, the behavior from our bosses, which we really, really appreciate it. So I think I've worked, I've had the, you know, I think the good fortune of working with bosses who were, I think, um, who were able to hold on their own and even during the toughest times possibly, uh knew how much stress they should be passing on to their uh, teams and to their people and I think I I learned from them and I've had this uh, I think I've uh, worked with quite a few people in my uh, you know working career wherein I've tried my level best to make sure that you know every time they are dealing with stress every time they are dealing with tough external circumstances they are able to hold on their own and not pass it down to people. I think once you see that happening, uh, once your bosses do that, chances are that when you grow up as a leader, you are going to most probably behave in the same manner. At least I've turned out like that because my bosses made sure that they were able to be logical, be reasonable, even in very, very tough times, even if things went bad. And I think, you know, everybody commits mistakes and I'm sure even I did my fair share of mistakes when I was, uh, you know, growing up um, in this profession. But I think the fact that my bosses were patient with me, they were, um, I think they persevered with me. And um, I think I just need to repay back. So I just whenever every time I work with people, I make sure that uh, you you get people to learn from their mistakes and make sure that they never repeat their mistakes. And that I think is something which you can build into the character. So resilience is definitely something which can over a period of time be built into the character. Uh, And uh, it's not an easy one. I can definitely say, but it's not, it's not impossible to do.
0: Uh, Which brings me to another uh, question, this expectation that leaders have to be error free and perfect. Uh, Do you put that pressure on yourself and have you made a mistake as a leader which, and how have you addressed
1: that? Well, I think I, uh, I've i had, like I said, I've had my sh- fair share of mistakes. And, uh, you know, um, I think uh, the simplest thing that I, ha- and I still do that, you know, and just to give you a simple example, every time we go in for a pitch uh, for a new business prospect, we come back and in case we don't win it, uh, you know, in my head, I try to inst- introspect as to what I could have done differently. And there are times when I see myself not adding up in some spaces. And I do see that that was a mistake that possibly if I wouldn't have committed, things would have turned out differently. And I think just to make sure that I'm possibly as human as anybody else, we sit in a room and with a group of people, we discuss what I could have done better or what was the mistake that I did, which possibly, uh, didn't make the decision work in our favor. And I think that admission in front of a whole lot of people, I think it somewhere stems into, it blends into our, uh, you know, the entire company's philosophy that we are a flat, non hierarchical structure. So I'm as uh, possibly, uh, you know, I'm in the same boat as you. When I commit a mistake, you can also commit a mistake. And I think that, uh, you know, that confidence that, you know, you have a leader sitting in front of you and admitting, admitting the fact that uh, possibly on his account, he did something wrong. I think uh, that gives our people a lot of confidence that, yes, you can commit a mistake, uh, but you learn need to learn from your mistakes and make sure that you don't do it again. And I think that uh, definitely does help. I think somewhere down the line, we often you know, create this aura around leaders that, you know, you can't get anything wrong. But I, I completely disagree with that. I think we're all humans. And if we do work, mistakes are going to happen. Whether we like it, we don't like it.
0: Uh, two final uh, questions. Uh, uh, what's the journey been like from, like you said, small Hilltown boy to president of PRCAI uh, today? Uh, what personal strengths uh, have helped you along the way?
1: I would say, uh, you know, I think it's, uh, like I said, uh, there's a lot of perseverance that I get from my mom. There's a lot of willpower that I get from my uh, father. But I think the fact, uh, you know, an interesting conversation, which I was having, which I was having with a friend of mine, you know, often we tend to focus a lot on our education, saying that, you know, education is going to take us places. But I realized that, you know, in our, in most of our cases, it's actually our experience, our experience with different people, uh, different places, different towns, different cities, that gives us a lot more exposure. So I think the journey of a hill hill boy to a bigger city, uh, you know, trying to find his place, uh, making friends uh, with people from uh, large cities and, you know, trying to find a common purpose, a common goal. And I think, PRC has been uh, purely, I would say, um, uh, mm, a lot of uh, luck. And the fact that I think, as a personality, uh, you know, I was able to bring together a lot of people from the industry who uh, believed in possibly the same cause that I believe. So I think it's a lot of, I would say, diplomacy is a very strong word, I would say. But I think, uh, you know, making sure that you are able to uh, bring together uh, you know, a common dream, a common goal and put it in front of people and make that work. I think that in my view, did, uh, did its, uh, you know, charm in bringing everybody together on a common platform. So, yeah, I can say that.
0: Uh, one final question Atul, before we wind up this really nice and interesting, insightful uh, conversation. Who is your uh, go-to person or mentor for uh, stresses at work?
1: well uh you know i uh, usually I don't uh and it's an it's a very strange situation because uh i have uh, I'm married to uh, to a corporate communications leader uh, who also happens to be my client so usually most of the times you know I would come back and I would love to share with her uh all the stresses that are happening at work but sometimes it in some form or manner, it does also affect her. So I can't come back and, you know, share everything with her. So I think, she, you know, she comes from the same background. We've known each other for more than two decades now. So I would say, uh, you know, she helps me out a lot uh, with uh, without giving her too much details. I try to give her the picture and she gives me a solution and she bounces back. So I can say that she's more of a friend and, a you know, a, a soulmate than than just a wife, so she helps me quite a lot on that front. But I think more than that, if you ask me, most of the times I'm not able to. I don't need a. I don't need to de-stress. I have, and I think the work from home piece has really helped because, uh, you know, I'll get off this meeting and I have my younger son who'll just come come up to me in the middle of his you know class and he'll just give a one big hug and say I love you and that does it. You know, that just does it and there's this i was talking about, about alaska who's my golden retriever she'll come jump play you need, just need 2 minutes of that active energy and you know you're out of it so you've had maybe a a bad meeting or a bad you know a, a bad interaction but suddenly those 2 minutes and uh, you're done so i think somewhere down the line this work from home it gives us nice short you know stress busters my like my elder son comes in he has a weird puzzle to, uh, to share and we apply our minds to it, solve the puzzle and we're done. So I think a lot of uh, that intermixing of energy just keeps you in and out. And, uh, and I think somewhere down the line that does it in the sense, uh, I, I don't like the idea of working from home to be very honest. Like I like the office space and you know, you need a, a, a finite time and space to work, but I think if one thing which I've loved about work from home is this whole, you know, this whole energy exchange, which has, uh, I think really helped to keep the semblance and keep things going.
0: That's really nice. And I can relate to that because I also have a golden retriever and uh, come six o'clock, uh, he will bark at my laptop till I sit yeah. down. So, <laughs> yes. He really hates the laptop, so I can totally understand. It really, it really amuses you and takes you away from
1: yeah. everything
0: that's happening. So thank you so much, Atul. Uh, that was Atul Sharma, Managing Director of uh, Rudolph in India and President PRCI on our very first inaugural edition of Resilient PR Leadership Series on PR Moment. Thank you so much, Atul.
1: Thank you so much, Parul. Thank you for this opportunity. Thanks for listening to the PR Moment Weber-Shanwick Chai Talk at 5pm podcast. Brought to you in association with the Marketeers Network. If you've liked the show, please subscribe and give us a decent
0: rating.